Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Tower cleared. Welcome to Space 3D. This is part two of our interview with space historian Jay Gallantine. In this episode, we continue the discussion of some interesting bumps in the road to publishing his first book, Ambassadors to Earth. Who knew there was going to be so much drama involved in telling the tales of unmanned space exploration? Well, did you have, um, uh, to finish this question, uh, didn't you have another kind of a speed bump related to ambassadors from Earth? <laughs> Why, yes, I did. <laughs> Are you willing to talk about it? <laughs> oh, my oh God. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very willing to talk about okay. it. And, um, this is another good one. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this at all, Eleanor, but Eleanor, you've probably heard about the gravity slingshot. Yes. Okay. Now, and you probably know that that is not a new idea. You know, the idea of getting a gravity boost from a large planet goes back hundreds of years to a time before the discovery of Neptune when astronomers would notice how the path of a traveling comet could be influenced by its close passage to, say, Jupiter. Well, there is a man named Michael Minovich. And he's still around. And if you get him on the phone, and it shocks me the number of people who write about this guy and don't contact him, but he will tell you in, in very long-winded ways that he invented the concept of the gravity slingshot when he was a graduate student at UCLA in 1961. And he will further tell you that ever since then, JPL and NASA have been engaged in a giant conspiracy to steal his work and discredit him. And he has been robbed of the millions of dollars that he has owed for creating this invention and opening up the path to the exploration of the outer solar system. And it's absolutely nuts. Wow. Wow. Now, the thing that drives me mad, the thing that has me, like, screaming from the mountaintop is I investigated his story very carefully because I was, I was trying to get to the bottom of how Voyager started. You know, here we have one of the greatest planetary exploration missions of all time. And here I am trying to be a space historian. And I read a book and it says that Michael Minovich created the Voyager mission. He discovered this opportunity to go explore the outer planets using his magical invention of gravity assist. And I'd say, oh, okay, not bad. Going to have to look him up. And then I read another book about it, and it says that a man named Gary Flandro came up with the idea for the grand tour to the outer planets. And then you read another book, and it says there's a guy named Joe Cutting who came up with a grand tour. And then you read another book, and it says that a guy named Homer Joe Stewart came up with the idea for the grand tour. 
And you read enough books and articles that have like seven different accounts for how this mission got started. And you're like, well, what the heck's going on? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and this whole concept of how the Grand Tour started, it wasn't even in my proposal for the book Ambassadors from Earth. Like the name Michael Minovich wasn't even on my radar. And the more I dug into it, the more uncertainty there was in what the actual truth was. And at one point, I was on, um, on an interview with John Cassani, a man who was Voyager's project manager during the pre-launch period. And I asked him how the mission got started, and he didn't know. And I'm like, well, geez, not even these top guys know. And so I really felt like this was a place where I could make a contribution to the historical record. And even 15 years and two books later, if you ask me what, if I could have one single contribution to the historical record, what would it be? It would be getting to the bottom of the Mike Minovich story. <laughs> awesome. Because the, the idea that this guy came up with gravity slingshots for spacecraft, and then the idea that he went on to create the uh, Voyager's Grand Tour opportunity, that has gotten out into enough of the historical record that depending on where you look, that's the story you'll find. Mm-hmm. But what's really frustrating is the account doesn't hold up to like second level scrutiny. Like if you go and just look at, at the first level, if you just go and look at the sources that are out there, like if you Google Michael Minovich right now, Eleanor, one of the top hits, I bet you $100, is going to be a Wired article written by a man named Christopher Riley that's called The Mass That Made Voyager Possible. And, and it's going to go on and on and on about how we had no way to get to the outer solar system until Mike Minovich came along and said, let there be gravity assist and discovered this planetary alignment to go to the outer planets. And I'm like, huh, that's kind of funny, because I spent three years researching this, and I found everything quite to the contrary. And so I got in touch with Chris Riley, and I remember this vividly, because I was on vacation with my family in Colorado when I had this massive exchange with Christopher Riley. And I'm like, Christopher, what were your sources for that? And his source was basically one source that was a collection of three papers that were co-written by Minovich. Mm-hmm. And, and presented at a, a conference in the late 80s, early 90s, in, in that time frame, somewhere in there. And I'm like, that's it? That's your primary source? Was something that, that Minovich himself wrote? What the heck do you think he's going to write? It's like, did you call him? Did you call anybody that he worked with? Did you call his supervisors? Did you go and look through the files of JPL? He hadn't done any of that stuff. And he was really apologetic about it and everything. But, uh, you know, and I asked him to, like, revisit the article, maybe take it down, rework it. I was happy to send him information. And it's still up. And, and this is the thing that has me wanting to scream from the mountaintops 
unfortunately, every month or so, I break down and I Google Michael Minovich, <laughs> even though I know better. I do stuff like even that. Even though I know I, I shouldn't do, do this. Like that, because yeah, it drives me right? nuts. Yeah, because I do stuff like that where I search things. I'm like, did this damn article get taken down yet? And it hasn't. And I'm like, really? You got to be playing with me, you know? God. Exactly, the Skylab mutiny. Yes, it's very, I'm a nut about that, I'll be real, I'm a nut, like I will literally, I'm one of those people who's like emailing people like, hey, have y'all fixed this yet? And it's, you know, you know, (laughs) Eleanor's like shaking her head, I'm serious. Yeah, but you know, you can't send out all these nasty emails to people saying, hey, take this article down, hey, take this article down, it's wrong. Uh, you know, there needs to be more diplomacy. I mean, how am I going to respond if somebody, you know, if if someone, let's say, Andrewian <laughs> sends me an email saying, hey, you got to stop that. Um, so, I mean, that's, it just, it just really burns me up. And like I say, Minovich has gotten enough of his story out there into the general record that it's very easy for someone to just do like a baseline level of research and then come back and say, oh, yeah, Minovich invented gravity assist and then gave us the grand tour. Uh, something that people point to a lot is there is an official NASA JPL publication that came out at the time of Voyager's Neptune encounter in 1989. And it's called the Voyager Neptune Travel Guide. Once again, official NASA JPL publication. And in it is this beautiful story of Michael Minovich and how he invented gravity assist and came up with the grand tour and, and people point to that and then they'll say, well, Jay, here's an official NASA publication. And I'll go, yeah, it is. But then you look at who, who was the editor of that was a guy named Charlie Colhase, who was Voyager's mission design manager. Well, I know Charlie from my work. So I contacted him and I said, so what's the deal with Minovich here? And Charlie went on and on about how what an embarrassment was. He was like, you know, I was in the middle of trying to get ready for Voyager's Neptune encounter. I had a mandate that I had to get that guide together. There were 10 different people who worked on it. And the guy who wrote that was Minovich's buddy. And I didn't catch it before I went out. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, right? But had, had I caught it, there's no way that would have been in there because that's not true at all. And indeed, in my book, I have Charlie on the record saying, you know, Minovich didn't do any of that stuff at all. So that was the biggie. So, so you know, I worked with Minovich uh, to tell his story. Uh, he only wanted to work by fax, which was a little odd. Uh, this was in 2006. And like you'd you'd send him questions saying, hey, I want to call you and talk to you about these questions. But then he would send you the answers via fax because there's something about the date and timestamp on the fax that was very important to him. He sent me boxes of documents, which I am actually looking at sitting on the shelf here in my office. I should send you a picture. And he and then I would send him another fax and then he would call me and his phone calls. I don't think I had a phone call with him that was shorter than an hour and a half because the guy just goes on and on and on and on and on, which is something that I I speak of in the book, which is this personality where, you know, dude, you got to make your point and then you got to let it sink in. You can't just like hammer it into people by just going on and on and on. It's just, you've made your point. You need to let them absorb it. 
And he, in the beginning, was, oh, thank you so much for telling my story. I never thought that someone would want to write so much about my life because I was going into his childhood and everything. But then as he started receiving more and more chapter drafts, uh, it was like, oh, uh, you seem to be falling into the old story that uh, there's a conspiracy, or no, not that there's a conspiracy, that there's a controversy. Um, there is no controversy about this because I'm the guy who created Gravity Assist. I'm the guy who came up with Voyager's Grand Tour. And if you use the word controversy in your book with regard to this, I am going to look into what my options oh, are. <laughs> yeah, and so then as as he receives more and more chapter drafts, the, his tone starts to escalate to the point where it's like, why are you doing this to me? I rewrote the chapter, and why are you not using my account of it? And then uh, it was at the point where I kind of figured I had gotten everything that I needed to from him. And so I, I went with the chapters, and then the book came out, and... And that guy just freaked when the book came out. Um, he, he waited three years during which he wrote a 437-page legal complaint. And he filed a lawsuit against me in 2013. And he was alleging, let's see here, libel, slander of title. But wait, uh, I, thought, I didn't think anyone had titles, though. It, <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, really. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, he. There were there was there were six different complaints that he alleged uh, that I interfered with uh, his right to make money. Um, he wanted to stop publication of the book. Uh, he wanted all my money, and he wanted some special award from NASA saying that he had actually come up with the Grand Tour and Gravity what Assist. What I want to know is too that he seems very financially focused and how can you get rich off of the gravity assist well uh, to answer the second part of your question eleanor how can you get rich off the gravity assist you can't <laughs> and he definitely is very financially focused uh he has a website that goes on and on and on about how great he was and there's paypal links Oh, everywhere wow. mm. uh yeah and he's 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 trying to raise money for some museum to himself that he thinks oh, should be boy. created and i honestly feel bad for the guy because he's going to go to his grave thinking that some giant wrong has been perpetrated on him i mean in this complaint 437 pages and sadly i read the whole thing and my, my publisher, my editor, they were wonderful about it because I, I had to drop everything for two months and, and try and respond to this. I used to make the joke that the complaint read like the Unabomber Manifesto because it, it zigzagged back and forth through 40 years of history with every single person that he ever had a grievance against. Uh, he was angry at people who had been dead for decades. And then I read the Unabomber Manifesto. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> which, yeah, and I would never condone what Ted Kaczynski did, but the Unabomber Manifesto is surprisingly well put together. And, and this was just 
random. It was just random as all get out. But it, it was it was a lawsuit. And if I didn't respond within 30 days, he was going to go into court and get a judgment against me. Wow. Um, and so I, oh, and in addition to me, you'll love this, Eleanor. So in addition to suing me, he also sued the entirety of Caltech. <laughs> so, so Caltech has to put their lawyers on it, right? So there's Caltech's legal department, and then there's Jay Galantine, who's like <laughs> doing all this out of his basement. <laughs> And then in addition to those two parties, he also sued John Doe's number one through 20. That's right. And they are unnamed co-conspirators. And as soon as he figured out who these troublemakers were, by God, he was going to come after them too. Wow. Wow. And so I, I filed my response. Uh, he sued me in the state of California, which has no jurisdiction. That was that was one of my defenses. Um, but I basically said, you know, there's no jurisdiction. He assumed the risk. He knew what he was getting himself into because I was sending him chapter drafts. He knew exactly what I was planning on publishing. The statute of limitations has expired on five of his six allegations. And then I scheduled the court date. And I have to say, I was kind of looking forward to it because I've got some friends out in L.A. And so I was going to make a vacation out of it. I think I scheduled the date for like a Thursday. So I was going to fly out on a Wednesday, have a nice dinner, go into court on Thursday, kick Mike's butt, see some friends Thursday night, make a trip out of it. And then he withdrew the suit, which essentially meant that yeah. I won. Mm -hmm. And people said, well, you're going to go after him for your costs and everything. And I, I really didn't want to do that. It just didn't seem like the right thing to do. Uh, and I've, maybe it's obvious, maybe not, but I haven't had any contact with him since then. But uh, last time I checked, he, he still has a website about a gravity assist, according to uh, Google. Mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah. But like I say, the thing that really frustrates me, really frustrates me, is that he has been able to get enough of his story out there into enough of the record so that it gets it gets really muddy and when you dig down into what he did because that's another thing people ask me is like well doesn't he get credit for anything and i said absolutely he does he gets credit for doing work on perhaps i'd say the practicality of gravity assist missions uh, he deserves some credit for uh, calculating sample missions using gravity assist, you know, and, and that was a contribution. That was absolutely a contribution to spaceflight. Now, if you, if you talk to Mike, he'll, he'll go on and on about all these different things. Like one of them, for example, is that he created a program to calculate gravity assist trajectories. And it's true, he did. He came up with a method. And he claims that JPL stole that method oh from him. They didn't. And he claims that that was the only method to be used to, uh, to, to calculate gravity assist trajectories to the outer solar system. Well, that wasn't true at all. Uh, the person who actually did discover the Voyager Grand Tour opportunity uh, was a guy named Gary Flandro. And he used a completely different program uh, from Lockheed to do his calculations. And the program that he used, he, he modified it slightly, and it actually had an error in the program 
uh, early on for the location of Saturn, which was like traceable kind of watermark style all the way through the calculations. And so you might read some accounts that like Gary Flandro used Mike Minovich's program to calculate the trajectories, and that is not true at all. Minovich, he had nothing to do with calculating the Grand Tour. And uh, people who are listening to this, if you have any questions about what Minovich did or did not do, please feel free to contact me through the podcast, and, uh, and, and I'll get you the information. Wow, what a story. Now, I'm curious, too. So your publisher, I can just envision you meeting with your publisher at some point with this book, and they're saying, you know, Jay, this is a great book, but, you know, you really seem to have this trail of controversy when you're encountering, you know, these people that you're interviewing. What is up with that? (laughs) It's true. I, you know, here I went to write about space probes, and I figured that uh, the drama is going to be over with the astronaut stuff. That's where, like, the divorces and the <laughs> mutinies and all these things, that's all over with the astronauts. You know, there's, you know, the, the space probe stuff, it's going to be a challenge to stay awake. And it was, it was really anything but. And so when I was asked to write uh, a second book by the University of Nebraska Press, my vow was no controversy, no lawsuits, no threats of lawsuits. And uh, I oh think I did God. okay. What a story. But there's still more to discuss with space historian Jake Allentine in part three of our interview in our next podcast. For Emily Carney and Tom Hill, this is Eleanor Rangers for Space 3D.